Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to take an opportunity this morning. If you've got a praise report, something you want to give God glory for, why don't you stand to your feet? Just thank the Lord for a blessing that he's anybody. Praise the Lord. He's talking about out at the nuclear plant there. Hey, it's good to see you again, brother. <laughs> Anybody else you want to give? Yes, Jennifer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen, Barb. And you're looking good. Getting stronger every day. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Something you want to give God glory? Emmy Ray? I got a raise. You got a raise. And your boss just didn't tell you to stand on a ladder. No. <laughs> Amen. Bev. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, Ellie. You got a job. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I think your mother's almost just more excited right there. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes, Darren. About those cardinals. You, you know, you Cubs, I just want you to know, last year we started out at the beginning of the season just like you guys did, but then toward the end fizzled out. So we're saving our energy for the end. No, congratulations, all you Cubby fans. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, Carolyn wanted to say a word. You know, so we announced last week that her team in the Eastern Outreach had won. And uh, you all get, if you are on Carolyn's team, come see her after church. You've all got gift cards for Whitey's ice cream for the, you. So go ahead, Carolyn. Okay. Well, first, this is all right. Yep. Okay. First of all, the first thing I want to do is thank each and every one of the people that were on my team. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Because both teams are encouraging people to be here on Sunday, be here on Wednesday, read your Bible, Book of Matthew especially, because that's the important one. It's the first one of the New Testament, you know, and it tells us all the genealogy of Jesus. It's an important one. Anyway, so we were all pulling together that we were encouraging them to be, um, not only just be here, but to bring visitors. I'm telling you, my people went above and beyond anything I could ever ask and think because I just got so blessed. I'm telling you, you said one time, I still need sons. to preach. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, anyway, I'll, I'll let you do that, but I have to finish what God said. Okay. But anyway, so there weren't two teams, there were only one. He knows never did me a microphone. But what I'm trying to say is, we were all winners. And 
Praise the Lord. We have people that were coming Wednesday night service that came Wednesday night service. They're still coming Wednesday night service. We had visitors that came. Praise God. They're in church this morning. They're still here. And I just want to know, want you to know that you are a blessing. And this man preaches the word. He preaches the word every Sunday, every Wednesday. It does no good to preach to empty seats, does it, Pastor? Amen. Well, hallelujah. I feel like taking up another offering just on that one. But even though you are all winners, only the people on Carolyn's team get cards. <laughs> Let's go ahead and pull up our missionary picture, if you would, for us, please, Xander. All right, this is Pablo and Alma Pina. They are in El Salvador. They're doing missions work there. They have been able to help raise up churches all across El Salvador. Right now there are churches just like ours within the Foursquare movement that are preaching the gospel. There are 25 churches in El Salvador, but the new Bible school that they're opening up is planning to be able to train new ministers to get them out and preaching the gospel. So let's go ahead and hold them up in prayer. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pablo and Alma and their family. We believe for the Spirit of God to move throughout El Salvador. We thank you now for the heavens to open and that lives will be changed and people will be healed and made whole. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Well, our second Sunday of every month, we always take uh, just a few moments before I preach and just share a little bit about our vision and the things that we're trusting God for. Uh, for example, one of the things that's coming up, in August, we're planning to do something new with our Wednesday night service. Now, we've always had our Wednesday night. It's more or less viewed as a midweek uplift. It's there to encourage you and to help you, and we believe very much in that. We're going to continue to keep a Wednesday night service, but we're in the plans right now to figure out how we can help market it to families in our community that are very involved on the weekends with sports. There's a lot of different teams that are traveling teams and school teams. Even schools have games on Sundays. And so sometimes families can't make it into church the way that they would like to. And we're going to try to find a way to help reach out to people all across the Quad Cities to make our midweek service their Sunday service and to be able to use it. We'll just tweak a few things with our Wednesday night, change it up a little bit, but not much. It will still be a normal service like we've had, but just a few different things that'll help reach out to people that either don't have a church home, or if they do, they can't make it in on Sundays because their kids are traveling and doing so many different things. So that's one of the things that we want you to be praying about. Uh, we're open to God if we need to make some changes exactly, if instead of starting at seven o'clock, if we need 
need to start at 6.30. We're going to listen to you, and probably in the next few weeks we'll be doing a little survey to ask you if time change would be a difference. We're going to be talking to coaches around the Quad City area, listening to them to find out what's going to work. How can we reach out to the parents and the children that are on the different teams and the youth and young people that are on teams? Also in May, uh, we'll be doing something, you know, over the past few months, we've had special projects for missions that we've done. Last week, we put the pictures up of all the grain that you helped purchase from Malawi, Africa, and showing it going out to the different villages, and that was just answered prayer, where they've been fighting drought. Now, we've been able to help them to have food for their families. Praise the Lord. But in May, most of you know that when it comes to internet service here in the building, we've upgraded our internet service. And part of that is so that eventually we can be able to uh, buy some new equipment for the sound room. There'll be a new computer. There will be a new chip that will go into that that'll be able to handle the camera and the video so that we can begin to record these services and to do other things that we can be able to put up either on the internet, on YouTube, this kind of thing, so that if families are not able to get to church, they can still be able to watch it. So come May, we'll be taking that whole month of May, and the very last Sunday in May, which is May 29th, we're going to receive a special offering. We want to believe that we'll pull in an additional $2,000 to buy the right equipment, and uh, we put a task force together of all of you that are involved heavily with computers to find out the right one that we need and the things we need to do, and uh, we're just going to plan to get that equipment. So you be in agreement with us. We see missions here at home as well as on the foreign field because we want to share the good news of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray together as we get in the word today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much. I'm thankful for the integrity of the Bible. I'm thankful that it is the word of God. And that as we put our faith and trust in you, the Bible ministers to us, it builds us up, and we are reminded of the promises you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bible, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. I'm not going to have you look up the first scripture I'm going to read here out of Romans, because it's one that we used last week. It's one that is constantly reminding us of the power and the presence of God. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Bible says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Would you go ahead and repeat that with me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now we're going to review just a few moments here because we were talking about the provision of God. How God is a provider for you, spirit, soul, and body. He wants to minister to you. He's not a magic genie that pops out of a lamp. He's not a fairy tale. He's not just a good luck story that's out there. We're talking about the power of God. We're talking about the Son of God who we just celebrated on Easter that died for our sins and rose from the dead made it possible that anybody who'd believe could be saved. And this morning, if you are a guest with us and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're not talking about being religious. We don't want a form of religion. We want to know the power of God. That's what we're speaking and talking about here. So, of course, as we said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Every time you speak it, every time you hear it, just as Carolyn said here, it's the reminder that the Word, when it gets in you, stays in you. So that when tough times come, you're able to speak the word and walk through that experience with victory. Because there are tough moments out in life. There are challenges that are out there. But through Christ, we can do all things. Can I get an amen? All right, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, let's take a look at the first few verses here in this chapter. It's an amazing chapter, but we're just going to start at verse 1. It says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. 
And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flock. Blessed shall be in the basket and the kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land for which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And the Lord will open up his good treasure in heaven to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments which the Lord your God has commanded you today and are careful to observe them. Now verse 14. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully his commandments and his statutes which I command you today and all these curses would come upon you and overtake you. Let's stop there right for just for a moment. Now, here he's speaking about blessings that are going to overtake you. He talks about being the head and not the tail. I don't know if you ever went to a costume party as a horse, but you know, part of the costume is the head and the other part is the tail. And in the costume, somebody else's head has to be by somebody else's tail. It's a lot more fun to be the head and not the tail. Now, I know if you've got a puppy dog and you start to scratch them and seeing their tail start to wiggle back there like that, or have you ever, have you had a dog or a cat? Probably not so much for cats. Cats are girls, dogs are boys. And that's what I always thought as a kid. When I found out that it worked both ways, I thought, wow, I thought the cats were the girls. What's that got to do anything? I, I don't know, but anyway. You take your dog and you start to scratch right behind their ears. And have you ever noticed their back leg? It gets going like this out there. The scripture doesn't say anything about, wig, uh, about legs wiggling. But I'm telling you, it's much more fun to be the head and not the tail. I want to know that when it comes to the things of life, I want to be a part of God's plan. And I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to be hearing his voice. I want to be a part of his plan. We're not going to go back and read verse 8, but it's interesting. Right there, it talks about God giving you a storehouse. Now, what's a storehouse for? A storehouse is for your abundance. When you have abundance, you have to store something. It's not just the cupboards in your house, but it's the abundance God wants you to have. Yet sometimes there's lack that shows up in our life. I don't know if you've ever worked at a place and they came to you with a pink slip or with some other kind of form of identification and said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go or we're going to have to lay you off or we're going to have to do this, we're going to have to do that. What happens when that hits you like that? It's that moment that you start to think, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to be able to deal with this? I want you to know God is your source. And when you honor his word, he will take care of you. And how does he do that? He begins to open the windows of heaven. He opens opportunities for you. He will show you that you have a storehouse of his glory that is just waiting to burst open on you. Now, just like the storehouse of God that he has for you, it's good to have a storehouse yourself. 
See, I want you to think about it. Our, our world today sometimes makes it impossible to think about saving. But it is important to know that when you are out there figuring your budget, doing the things you do, the reason God talks about tithing and giving to him is because what it does is opens the windows of heaven so the blessings come back on you. You're honoring God with your job, with the history that you have, and saying, okay, Lord, you're my source. I want to honor you. I want to help spread the gospel in all the world. I'm going to do my part to give. When you become a giver, you start to open up your heart to being in his plans. When my wife and I graduated from Bible college, we were getting ready to move down to Meridian, Mississippi for a couple years. And we were going to be youth pastors and get some additional training other than the four years we'd been in Bible college. And so here was going to be some practical side of ministry. But when it got ready for us to move, we noticed all the other kids in our class, they were mostly, if they'd got an appointment from a church or things like this, they were calling the church saying, we need to move down there, but we don't have any expenses that we can cover because we don't have any extra money. Everything we've had has been used for college. And yet, for my wife and I, we'd had it in our hearts that when we got ready to move, we wanted to be able to say to the church that was hiring us, no, 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 you don't need to pay for that. We can cover it. Out of our graduating class, we were the only couple that had enough money to be able to cover the cost of our U-Haul to move down to Mississippi. That wasn't a whole lot of money. I mean, it was probably $250 for the gas, for the truck, for everything that was there. But that was everything we had in the bank. How did we do that? Every week we set $5 aside and put it in the bank. Anytime we had extra that came in, we put that in the savings account because we wanted to be able to go where God was calling us to go. Never think what you are doing is anything small, but know that everything you do counts big in the plan of God. Hallelujah. God found a way to multiply that and to make it so that we could be able to leave Ohio and take off and head down to Mississippi. And then when we got ready to move back up here to start Faith Walk back in 1985, again, we just put our faith and trust in God. We said, Lord, you know, in the natural, we don't have anything to do this, but we're putting our faith and trust in you. And I've told the story before that God gave me an inspired idea to be able to make a little extra money. I bought a couple of these little peepholes like you put indoors and uh, decided after I would get off of work each day, I would go ahead with my drill and a couple peepholes and go door to door and offer to sell those to people, put them in. I figured God's perfect number was seven, so I'd sell them for $7.77. So we knew God was telling us it was time to come back up to this area and to start the church where our home and families were. And so we just prayed and asked God for direction. That first day after I got off work, I came home, I took off walking, I had my drill and I had a couple of the little peepholes in my pocket. I knocked on door after door after door asking if people wanted any of these things. Nobody wanted them. Finally, after over 40 houses I'd gone to, this one little lady came to the door. She was sort of short and she looked at me. She said, oh, I've always wanted one of those, but she said, everything I've ever seen, they're always up too high for me. Can you put it down low or is there a law how high peepholes have to be. I said, we can put it as low as you want. I had her stand up to the door and figured out where it was. I was so excited. I was thinking, we're making our first money to move back to Illinois. I was holding my drill and it was almost like I got to hold it straight here. I was too excited. I drilled that hole, put that peephole in. She looked at me. She said, do you take a check? At that moment, I said, of course. Remember, that was 31 years ago. So, you know, nobody ever saw it thought that people were going to take advantage of you. There you go. So I take the check. I'm so excited. It's getting dark outside. I run all the way home. I give my wife the check when I walk in the door. I said, here's our first money to go back and to start a church in Silvas, and you hold on to it. The next day I went to the office. I was there early in the morning getting some things done, and I get a telephone call from my wife. And as she calls me there at the office, she said, you need to come home quick and hung up. Now, I had learned after living there for a couple years in Mississippi, you know, it doesn't get really cold. And so there's lots of bugs in Mississippi. And Tanya had ran a daycare out of our house. She had taken care of some kids, that kind of thing during the day. And uh, we, we had found that if our neighbors sprayed for bugs, that meant all the cockroaches came over to your house. So you had to spray. And, you know, in Mississippi, they weren't like this. They were like this. And they had wings and they could fly. 
So the last time my wife would call me like that, I knew I had to go to the grocery store and buy some bug spray. So as she hung up on the phone so quickly, I thought, uh-oh, somebody must have sprayed next to us, and they're all coming to our house. So I walk in the door at the house, and she hands me this envelope, and there's a letter in it. And I look at it, and I open the letter up. And here it's for some people that we knew that lived out east. And they said, God had woke us up and told us that you were going to need help financially. And so here's the check that we've written to you. We know that it'll be whatever God has asked you to do. We looked at that check. It was enough money for us to be able to move. So much so that when we went to our pastor down there in Mississippi, I said, we're going to give you back our last two paychecks. We made all the arrangements to be able to head back up here. We called my folks up on the phone and said, listen, God's been telling us we're supposed to come back and start a church in the eastern half of the Illinois Quad Cities and teach people how to live by faith, and we're going to just trust God. Can we move in with you? And my mom and dad said, God's been telling us about this for a while. We knew a change was coming. Of course you can move back in. And we said, it's only going to be for a while. Okay? And it was just for a while. And that was all part of the steps to where we organized and had our first service May 5th of 1985 in their living room. And Faith Walk was born. I tell you that story because I want you to know God is a creative God. And just because things happen to you that do not look positive, don't give up and think this must be God's will in my life. God is here to bring abundance in your life. And whenever lack, whenever an attack comes against you, it's important to know that God still has a plan. So don't just give up and think, well, if it happened, it must be God's will. There is evil in the earth. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10 says. But it also goes on to say, Jesus came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Now, please, as we continue on, especially if this is the first time you've heard this, God is not in the get-rich-quick business, okay? God's not going to be selling shackly to you. Now, if you want to sell Shackley, go for it. Wonderful. Have a good time. If you want to sell Sensi, if you want to be able to sell this or that, if you want to sell Mary Kay, if you want to be an Avon lady, if you want to do the, all, you know, do whatever you want to do, it's okay. But please know this. Sometimes those things get put on in front of people that it's like a gimmick. And God does not have gimmicks. God has his word and the promises he's given, and he will keep his word to you. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Oh, let's, uh, while we're still in the Old Testament, let's go over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to lay a little groundwork here as we continue on with this, because God's promises are true throughout the Old and the New Testament. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to fulfill the call that God gave to us throughout the Old Testament for the need of a Savior. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, look with me, if you would, at verses 18 and 19. Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Oh, I love this verse. Especially verse 18, it goes along with a little chorus I used to sing in the, when I was growing up in church as a teenager. Come, let us reason together. It's so powerful. Listen, I want you to know something. God loves you. God is not a tyrant who sits upon the throne looking down at you as his subjects. He is a loving Father. Yes, we honor Him as God, creator of all life and all earth, all the earth, and everything that creeps upon it. But He's a loving Father. He loves you. Now, if by chance you didn't have that growing up, let me tell you, first of all, I'm sorry. But I'm also here to tell you, it's time to have a loving Father. It's time to know the truth of God's Word. In verse 19, it's so interesting. Look at how it says if. If always implies there's a condition. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
Now let me tell you, I don't know what sin may have been a part of your life, but I can tell you this much, all sin is sin. Sometimes there are certain denominations out there, they try to label certain sins in different levels. This sin is just a beginning sin. This one is a big one. (laughs) Folks, sin is sin. But the good news is Jesus paid for it all on the cross. Though it may stick out like a sore thumb, if you'll turn to God, it will be forgiven and it will be covered by his precious blood. Sometimes we look at people and we may see something openly in their life that people look at and they they know it's wrong. It's a sin. And other times people hide things and you don't know what's going on in their life. First of all, don't just walk around condemning people. Have you ever noticed how goofy our world is? Satan has really tried to dumb everybody down. He's got them chasing all kinds of symptoms out there instead of ever dealing with the real issue. Did you ever think you would live long enough to have people say, you mean you expect men to use men's bathrooms and women to use women's bathrooms? That is so unfair, you racist pig. You know what? You're either one or the other. But we've dumbed everybody down. So the people said, oh, that's awful. You should pastor. You know, what if somebody thinks there's something else? They need deliverance. They need to turn to God and he'll set them free. But you see, the world has gone so crazy, they don't even want to talk about that anymore. You don't have a right to say that. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. And we have to know the word always speaks truth. We're so caught up in these silly arguments out there that we don't really believe that anybody is lost. And without Jesus Christ, if a person dies, they don't go to heaven. They have to know him as Savior and Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, that's awful. That's hateful. No, 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 that's love. Saying, come to Jesus and you'll be forgiven. You'll be covered by his blood. Verse 19, when it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So let's dissect that just for a moment here. When you apply the force of your will to believe for provision, and the provision comes from God, you're saying, I'm willing to be blessed. Wait a minute, what do you mean? Everybody wants to be blessed. No, 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 not everybody wants to be blessed. Here's what I mean. Some people are convinced that they will never get ahead. Some people are convinced, oh, you don't understand. I don't have enough education. I can never make good money for my family. I'll never get ahead. I've been told nobody in our family ever gets out of poverty. I will always be in poverty because my parents and my grandparents before me were, I will never get ahead. Again, prosperity or provision is not a dollar amount, but it has a great deal to do with your heart. It says, if you are willing and obedient. Now listen, my purpose and goal today in sharing the word is to help you be willing and obedient to receive from God. You know, there's some false doctrine out there. It says it like this. Well, if God wants me blessed, he'll make me blessed. Let me just show you how wrong that is. Let's apply that to salvation. If God wants me saved, then he'll make me get saved. Doesn't work that way, does it? We all have to repent and call out to God, and then we become born again. People don't just automatically go to heaven because they think good thoughts. They need to have a relationship with Jesus. So did you catch this part? If you're willing and obedient. So how does that work? See, some people sit back and are so convinced that they'll never get ahead because somebody told them something like this. Johnny, you're so dumb, you won't ever be able to get a job that provides for your family. You'll never be able to graduate high school. Some of you maybe didn't. You'll never be able to get ahead because you don't have a college education. Maybe you don't have a college education. You don't have any skills. And without skills, you can't do this or this or this. If all those negatives that have been spoken out over your life, I'm here today to tell you, I bind them in the name of Jesus. God said in his word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, you mean school's dumb, I shouldn't go? No, 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 get the schooling, get the training. It's a good thing. But I'm here to tell you this, just because you may not have been trained in something doesn't mean you're not able to learn today. Hallelujah. You can learn. You can learn. 
In fact, sometimes we can learn how to do things, do things smarter and better. Hmm. You know, snow shovels used to always just be designed with a straight shot of a stick coming up for you bending down. You ever seen some of those that have been designed that when they come up, they have a little bend to it and come up here to make it easier for you to put the snow on your shovel and to throw it? Somebody designed it. It's a little bit easier. I want to do something that's going to be easier. I want to know that the work that's in front of me, I want to find the most effective way to do it. I don't always want to have to think about doing things the hard way. You probably heard the story of the family. It was coming around holiday time, and the girl was in the kitchen with her mother, and she pulled out the ham, and she went ahead and watched her mother take the knife to the ham, and the woman cut off the bottom of the ham and cut off the top of the ham and laid the ham in the cooker, in the roaster. The daughter looked at her mother and said, Why do we do that? And her mom said, What do you mean? Well, Mom, why did you cut off part of the ham? Is it no good? I don't know. My mother always did it that way. When she comes to eat today, let's ask her. So dinner time come, they go to the table, they take the roaster, put it on, pull it, the lid off, and the smoke, the steam comes up, and the ham looks beautiful and wonderful. And the granddaughter says, Grandma, Mom said I should ask you this. Why do you cut the bottom off of the ham and the top off of the ham? Why do we do that? Is it bad to eat? And she said, well, I'm not exactly sure. She said, my mother always did it that way. She said, your grandmother's right here at the table, your great-grandmother, let's go ahead and ask her. She turned to her and said, great-grandma, why do we cut the end, the bottom off of the ham and the top off of it? She said, that's easy. She said, when your grandfather and I first got married, she said, it was the depression. We had a small pan, the ham wouldn't fit. The ham wouldn't fit, so you cut some off, so it fits. Generation after generation, they've been cutting the top and the bottom off of the ham. And it didn't matter that they had a roaster big enough for it. They just made sure they did it because they have always done it that way. Noah, tradition, tradition. He was in Fiddler on the Roof. Who day and night must... Never mind. Right. See, we have to apply our faith to be willing to receive from God. God's not going to force anything on you. Are you willing to receive it? Well, I don't know. Pastor, I, I, if I started to prosper, it would probably go right to my head, and I'd be one of those idiots that was so wasteful I'd lose all my money. You know, that's why I don't ever pray to be blessed. I think it's better to be poor. I've met people like that. Haven't you ever met somebody like that? They don't want anything. They, if they got blessed, they wouldn't have nothing to talk about because all they do now is talk about complaining. Man, this is an unfair system. If we just had a different system, man, if Bernie, Weekend of Bernie becomes president, everything will be safe. Let me remind you of that movie. They had to take and staple his toupee back on, all right? Don't wait for some politician to be your source. Let God be your source. There are no zombies. I mean, it might make a good TV series that some of you like, but, you know, listen, folks, if you're not here as living before God and you're in the grave, you don't come back. You either go to heaven or hell. You don't come back deformed and walk the streets to attack people. I know, if you, that's your show, I won't even say God bless you on that, but if that's your show, you know, watch whatever you want to. The reason God wants you to prosper, are you ready for this? The reason God wants you to be gainfully employed is so that you can help take care of others that are in poverty because God wants to use you as an avenue of blessing. Oh, you mean God wants me to be the one to supply the welfare? Hear me out on this. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 21. See, God wants blessings to come to his people, and yet in the natural, blessings are not there for many people. 
we have to look at the story of Abraham and Isaac as a prime example. See, some people say that if God wants me blessed, he'll make me blessed. But that's not how things work in the kingdom of God. You've got to use your faith to receive things. So in Genesis chapter 21, take a look with me, if you would, at the first couple verses. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when it was the eighth day, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now, why are we going back to Abraham and Isaac? Because in your family history, since we all came from Adam and Eve, and we begin to find the promise that was given to Abraham, you're going to find throughout New Testament scripture that the Bible says we are of the seed of Abraham. And who is the seed of Abraham? That is Jesus Christ. We're going to show you that here in just a moment. See, why did this have to happen? If you remember, Abraham and Sarah actually had different names. Abraham was called Abram, and Sarah was called Sarai. And they had no children. She was not able to have kids. She was barren. She had her womb closed to being able to conceive a child. But as they waited upon God, God spoke to them, and he said, I'm going to change your name. Why was the name change so important? Because when he went from Abram to Abraham, Abraham means a father of many nations. Sarai, changed to Sarah, went to being the mother of many nations. So every time they heard their name spoken, their new name, Abraham, Abraham, he was encouraged. He thought, I'm going to be the father of a great nation. Sometimes our thinking is lined up against the word of God. And we need to get our thinking lined up with the Word of God. See, our Bible isn't a magic book. It's not a book of spells that gets spoken by a wizard. It's something that we have to know that is full of life and power. And when we believe the Word of God, we get the Word of God results in our life. When just like he says, if anyone who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ confess with their mouth, him as Lord and Savior, they shall be saved. Well, we know how to get born again. If you're born again, say amen. Well, then how do we receive the rest of it? We find out the power that is there by using your faith and speaking out what you're believing. It's not just by saying words. It's by, by getting your faith hooked up. Abraham and Sarah had a transformation. Listen, maybe as I said earlier, if somebody spoke over you or maybe you had a teacher that looked at you and said, you're never going to amount to anything. I got to tell you, probably 99.9% .9 of the teachers I had growing up from grade school through college, all were great teachers and they loved their students. There may have been one at the most two clinkers in there. But you know, especially if you're raising little boys, you know, my report card would come home and inevitably one of my teachers would write on the back, Scotty has a hard time concentrating. Remember those report cards, Mother? Yes. Man. Sometimes my mind would be out the window. I don't know why teachers put my desk by the window. Oh, there's a bird. Squirrel. <laughs> Look, it's snowing outside. Oh. Maybe we'll get out of school early. Man, as a little boy, I could get distracted at the drop of the hat. Scott has great potential if he would ever apply himself. Man, I'd look at the grades and I'd say, well, that's okay. You know, it doesn't look like the whole alphabet is there. But that comment part would be there and my mother had to write back, yes, we know, we love him. Parent-teacher conferences, they were of the devil. Your son has great potential if he'd ever straighten up. Look at me. I'm just a harmless little fuzzball. Boy, sometimes those words hurt, don't they? Whoever came up with that one, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words hurt. 
they can cause problems. They're pretty powerful because proper words, faith words, they can do wonders. You can do it. You can make it. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. When I found those promises of God's word, it changed my life. I want you to know today, if you'll grab onto the promises of God, it'll change your life. Abraham and Sarah did it. They heard God say, we're changing your name. Instead of you concentrating on not having a child, we're going to have you believing that what you're speaking every time you say your name to each other, and folks, hallelujah, we say our names a lot, don't we? We use our names everywhere that we go. When you hear your name, your faith is going to be built. And what was the first scripture we spoke and read here today out of Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith started to rise up in Abraham and Isaac. Oh, I'm sorry. Faith started to rise up in Abraham and Sarah. Isaac came along and he learned the principle from his mama. He learned it from his dad. Take a look in chapter 22 and verse 1. Now, please know this. If we remember back in Genesis at the beginning in chapter 1, how the, uh, God had gave authority and dominion to Adam and Eve. And Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about this. He told them in the garden that they had dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creeps upon the face of the earth. And yet when Adam and Eve were deceived and fell into sin, they lost that dominion. They gave that dominion to the devil. So now Satan had this authority over people here on the earth. Please know this, that the devil hates you. The devil does not want to see you succeed. The devil does not want to see you get ahead. But God wants to give you spiritual breakthroughs. And every form of evil that is out there in the world today can be stopped by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Use that name. Use the power of the blood. Use the authority he's given to you. So we start to read on here, and we find out that some people would say, well, if God wants to do something on the earth, he can do whatever he wants to because he's God. God will never violate his word. And so when Adam and Eve gave that authority over the devil, God couldn't just look at the devil and say, I'm tired of you. Be gone. No, no, no. Something had to happen on the earth. God needs people. You're his people. And when somebody in his family follows his word, you are giving glory and honor to him because you're trusting him. So now God's looking for people on the earth to live by faith because when we do that, we show the victory that was given. Jesus came to earth because he had a legal right to come to earth. Abraham and Isaac were responsible for that. Abraham believed God. And even when God said he had to sacrifice his son, He was willing to believe that even by doing that, that God could raise that child up because God had given him a promise. That's how much he believed God. God gave me a promise that I would have a child, and so why would God want to kill my child? He knew that God had a plan. I want you to be so convinced of the promises of God that every time somebody comes up doubting the word of God, every time some new story or theory comes out there on why God cannot be real, you sit back and say, wait a minute, I know what the Bible says, and I believe the Bible. And yet some people look at you and say, you can't believe the Bible, it was just written by men. Well, who are you believing? What textbook was written without God being involved? Hmm? Some man wrote this textbook. No, no, we had aliens that came and gave us this message. So you're willing to believe aliens, but you won't believe God? I'd rather believe the Bible as the word of God. In Genesis chapter 22, take a look at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, uh, here I, he said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Verse 2, then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place for which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Isn't that interesting? The third day of the journey. Wasn't it the third day that Jesus rose from the dead? 
Verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we shall come back to you. Did you find that? Underline that in your Bible. And we shall come back to you. Abraham was speaking in faith. He knew that God said, you offer your son before me. And so he looked at his helpers and he said, we shall come back. Hallelujah. Remember the words Jesus said to his disciples. He spoke to them before he was taken up. He said, I'm coming back. Let's look on verse 6. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon his, uh, uh, laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. Then he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Historians tell us that Isaac was probably about 11 years old. Now, you know, to get an 11-year-old boy to stand still is an art in itself. But can you imagine? Now he says, I need to bind your hands and your feet, son. And he says in Scripture, there's nothing that says that he fought his dad. He bound him and laid him upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that the fear, that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As he said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord came to Abraham a second time from heaven and said to him, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this one thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiply I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies." And your seed, singular, there's no S there, your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Other portions of scripture, whenever you see God referring to Abraham's children, the word is always seeds, plural, with an S. The Jews are the seeds of Abraham. We'll see here in just a moment, the seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. Because of what Abraham and Isaac did affected all of history. Think about this today. What are you doing in faith before God that can not only affect your history, but many others? Do you know how many people who've said to the Lord, here am I, Lord, I'll go, and went off on a mission field and served, and in the natural, it didn't look like they were making a huge difference, but because they went, God opened the windows of heaven, and the gospel got to those foreign lands, and people were saved and came to Christ. You can make a difference. That act of faith made it possible that now Jesus could come. Hallelujah. Remember, we said God can't violate his word. He couldn't just say to the devil, I'm fed up with you. Now he had a legal right that his son could come and he would die upon the cross. He would be the sacrifice for us. Because God can't violate his word, now freedom comes through Christ. Let's look at two scriptures here sort of quick. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, let's look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. Revelation 1, 
and verse 18. Jesus is talking here. He said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Because of what Christ did upon the cross, when he rose from the dead, the authority that Satan had over people was bound. Now I'm telling you today, when the enemy tries to treat you like dirt, when the enemy tries to try to steal away from you, this is when you say to him, wait a minute, devil, you were defeated at the cross. You do not have power over me. Some people go ahead and do anything. Well, nothing I can do. You know, it must be God's will that this is happening. God did not give you the cancer. God did not give you the heart disease. God did not give you this or that. Evil is from the enemy, and God speaks and says, Now I have the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Let's go over to the New Testament again here in Matthew chapter 16. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. While you're getting there, let me go ahead and come down and grab my keys for a moment. This is one set of keys that I have. I have another set of keys that I keep in my office simply because right now I don't want them all in my pocket. So then when I come up here, I don't want a gigantic bulge in my pocket, so I put them out on the front pew. These keys can open anything and everything here at Faith Walk. In fact, I think there's even one key on here that is still from when we had the building downtown East Moline. Our staff has keys. Remember this, keys represent authority. Keys represent authority. I show you this because they open up opportunities. When my girls all moved out of the house, we didn't say, turn in your keys. There are girls. It's always going to be their house. Not that we want you to move back. But if you ever need to, it's open. Can't say what your room might look like, but it's open. Keys represent authority. Take a look at this verse in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Jesus is talking again, and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, I give you the keys. Father God, Papa God comes to you and gives you the keys, and he says, now, when evil comes, you bind it in the name of Jesus. You bind it because you have the keys of the kingdom. So that you say to the enemy when something comes like that, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that sickness and disease. I do not want it. And I thank God that according to 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. So I thank you now for healing to flow through my body. The symptoms may seemingly even stay within your body, but they don't have a right to. So you keep standing on your ground. And the same promises, the same God who was so determined to let you know that he would honor his word, that he didn't try to just say, you know, I'm God, devil, you're out of here. He said, okay, you've got a legal right right now, but you're about ready to lose the deed. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he took that authority away from the devil, and he says to everybody who believes, here's your key to the kingdom of God. You all have a key to the throne room of God. Hallelujah. It comes when we pray in faith and trust in the Lord. Oh my, oh my. Time-wise is restricting me here. But I have to tell you something. As we go forward in next week, I want you to know that this authority God gave you is not so you can have a big head, but it's so you can know who you are. Remember when a couple of the disciples came to Jesus and they said, can you tell us who's going to sit on your right hand and on your left hand? He looked at him and he said, that's not up to me. That's up to my Father in heaven. But he who wants to be great in the kingdom of God must become servant to all. How's your serving? How's your attitude towards others? How's your attitude toward those who can never pay you back? 
but you could still be kind to them. You can reach out to them in love. I want to encourage you today to be men and women of faith. I want you to know as we prayed, we pray for our country. You know, May 5th will be the National Day of Prayer. We're going to gather here that Thursday night with other believers and just call out to God for our country. Now, it doesn't matter who you're voting for. I have to tell you, the way I pray is, God, which woman, which man will be able to hear your voice as we pray for our country? Because Scripture tells us that if the believers will pray, then God will heal our land. It doesn't say if Congress votes and makes it a declaration. You know, that would be nice. If they would all like to pray with us, praise the Lord. You know, when 9-11 happened, they all gathered outside to pray. There was no atheist that day. There was nobody worrying which bathroom you could use. Everybody was repenting and saying, God, heal America. We, the believers, must be united together to pray. And then whoever gets in as president, we have a job to pray for them. Sometimes when I look at Facebook, I can get pretty discouraged seeing people say awful things about our president or about his wife or about his family or things. And I look at that and I think, they're just people. And yet folks are so mad about so many things going on. Listen, if you want change to happen, the change has to happen in your heart and mine. We have to be people of prayer. He's only got a few more months as president. Did you quit praying for him? I hope not. He still needs prayer. He is a man just like every one of you in here are people that are part of mankind. We all need prayer. If we don't pray for our president, do we just turn him over to the devil? No, 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 no. You've got a job to cover him in prayer. You've got a job to pray. Yeah, but I know this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this corruption, this corruption over here. And if we can just get this person in, oh, everything will be perfect. Let me tell you something. For the last 50 years, as our country tried to push God out of their minds, God is still there, and he wants to come back so that we can openly say, God bless America. Revival must happen in the church. Revival must happen in our homes. Revival must happen across our nation from shore to shore, border to border. And then we stand and call upon the mercy of God. Worship team, if you'd come. One last thing. And I know I'm going to take a chance to offend some of you with this. But I hope you'll listen to me carefully. Before you get angry and let the anger come out toward people who you don't even know, and say, well, pastor, they're here illegally. Let me tell you something. They wouldn't be here illegally if we didn't let them in. Don't try to tell me we're a country of laws when we don't enforce the laws we have. So what are you asking me to do? Just accept everybody for who they are? All I'm saying is this. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. Don't look at somebody and say, before I share the gospel with you, are you here legally or not? Don't go into a Chinese restaurant and say, are you people here legally or not? Because you know they say the number one people group that is coming across our borders illegally are from Asia. You thought it was Mexico. That's it's coming in right now. Man of love. I love Chinese food. Ooh, sweet and sour cat tastes wonderful. That Chinese restaurant we've got downtown Silvis, the cat population went down like that. I know. Now I've just defended all the cat lovers. Oh, oh the Chinese. Oh, well, I love food. Here's my cry. Here's my prayer for you today. Learn your covenant rights. Learn to love your fellow man. And you may not be going to the foreign field for missions, but you've got the foreign field right here at home. Love the men and women that are here. You know what? They came for a reason. They came for a reason. Legally or illegally, they came for a reason. My ancestors may have came legally, but they came to have a better life. Let's embrace the power of God. Let's get people saved. And let's live under the word system. And before you know it, all the differences and the illegal 
the things that are illegal, <laughs> couldn't come up with that word, the things that are illegal be put under the blood, organization will come, righteousness will prevail, and just like God honors his word, he will show that he honors it to you. Your prayers will be answered. Let's stand up together. I know we prayed over folks here today that already came down for healing in their body. But I want to open the altar one last time that if you've never accepted Christ and you'd like to today, I invite you to come down here so we can pray for you. Take that step of faith in saying, okay, God, I need you. I've known about you, but I have never personally asked you into my life to be Lord and Savior. I'm going to say a prayer in a moment, and if you would like to let Christ into your life, you can do it right there. But then I'd like to invite you to come on down so we can pray for you. If you're a guest, I promise we'll not embarrass you, but I want to be able to pray with you if you make that kind of a commitment today. Let the Lord be Lord of your life. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Would you just take a moment, feel free to lift up your hands before God and begin to thank him for your salvation. Begin to thank him that he is who he said he is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need Jesus, you can say this prayer after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Come into my life. Be my Lord my Savior, and my King. Forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new beginning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you made that decision by the worship team song, would you come on down so we can pray for you? Otherwise, right where you're singing it, let it be your song today of saying, okay, God, I'm back. I'm on target with you, and I will do my best to live by faith. Worship team.